Welcome to another gospel message from St. Luke's Anglican Church, Clovelly. My name's Katrin. I'm going to be reading the Bible for us today. The first reading is from Psalm 103. It's verses 1 to 22, which is actually all of Psalm 103 and echoes the lyrics of the song we just sang. So um, you can follow along on the screen or read along if you have a device. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Uh-oh. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the, vo the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. A lot of amazing praise for God in Psalm 103, isn't there? So let me begin today with prayer. Lord God, along with the psalmist, we cry out to you, praising you for the compassion that you've had on us. You reached into our lives. You've shown us the beauty of Jesus, his great love and mercy. And Lord, we pray today that we can see Jesus again, 
see his holistic love for people and provoke us, Lord, too, to think about how we can show love for others because we're living in a world that's harassed and helpless right now and, in fact, has been oppressed by sin since the creation. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 9, we see that Jesus had compassion. He looked out and he had compassion. People were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what does the word compassion mean? My name's Spiro. I'm Greek. And the word splachnizome in Greek, which is a commonly used Greek word that we would use in conversation, means I have compassion. What does it mean? Well, it means you're gutted. When you see someone suffering, you're gutted. Because it comes from the word splachna, which is your guts. And so when Jesus saw people suffering, he was gutted. We could go to the next, sorry, go forward two slides. That's the transliteration of the Greek word into English. And it was on the back of a pastoral worker's T-shirt to remind him of why he was loving the community that he was loving in the Golden Triangle in northern Thailand. It's a church I amazingly visited in January. A church that's reaching out to harassed and helpless people, many of them kids oppressed by poverty. And he's expressing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in caring for those kids and also sharing the good news about the Lord Jesus who made them and loves them. The New Testament writers use the word splachnizomi or gutted quite a lot in relation to Jesus. It's quite a unique word and became common after Jesus walked the face of the earth. So let's quickly review the chapter. Let's review Matthew chapter 9 and see what the needs of the harassed and helpless sheep actually are. The chapter begins with Jesus forgiving sins. And it's no surprise that that's how the chapter begins because that's our primary need. That's what we all need more than anything, forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with the holy God of the universe. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Now that's, that upsets some people. They haven't recognized the great love and mercy of Jesus as he reaches out to this man who's struggling. So we see in verse 2, he forgives sins. In verses 6 and 7, he also heals the man, man's body. So he heals him holistically. He cares for him. Now the teachers of the law at this point, and I'm kind of sympathetic to the teachers of the law at this point because they're saying Jesus is blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. And in fact, as we heard in Psalm 103, it is God, God himself, who forgives sins. And then he's really upsetting the religious people. If we go to verse 9, we see he calls Matthew, a really despised member of society, a tax collector. It's not a bad thing these days. But back then, it, they were the most despised members of all, well, amongst the most despised members of society. And then it gets worse in verse 10. Matthew gets together a whole bunch of other sinners, and they're having dinner with Jesus. And now the Pharisees, the religious people, they're really asking questions about Jesus. Now, I hope I'm not one of those religious people. I hope I can see myself there as one of the sinners. I hope I can see myself as someone who is harassed, helpless, in need of forgiveness, in need of restoration, listening to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, loving Jesus. I think it's a beautiful scene for me because I see myself sitting there with the sinners. But not all the religious people are upset with Jesus. There is one guy, a ruler, in some of the other translations it says synagogue leader. 
maybe he was a synagogue leader, but he's probably one of the other religious people. But he knows the power of Jesus to heal and he knows the compassion of Jesus. He's seen it and he knows the willingness of Jesus to bring healing. And so he humbly comes before Jesus and kneels before him in verse 18 and he says, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. There's a man who understands the power of Jesus. Jesus and the disciples go with him in verse 19. But along the way, Jesus is relentless, isn't he, as he cares for people. Along the way, there's a woman who is unwell and she comes up behind him and just touches the hem of his garment. And in verse 21, she says, If I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. So we see faith in Jesus transformed her life in an instant. And then in verse 25, the ruler's faith in Jesus was vindicated. Jesus did have the authority to raise this little girl. Another life transformed. But Jesus keeps going. You'd think he might need a rest after this. He keeps going. Everywhere he goes, there are harassed and helpless people, people who are suffering, people who've been taught that religion is about, their religion was about rules rather than trusting in the loving, compassionate God of the universe. He stops to care for everyone he comes across. Two blind men are crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus touches their eyes. They're no longer blind. Verse 32, if you have the text in front of you, Jesus drives a demon out of a man. Now the Pharisees, they've been critiquing the love and the compassion of Jesus the whole time. And now they give Jesus the ultimate insult and it shows they have got no clue. What they're saying about Jesus is totally opposite to Jesus and who he is. He says in, they say in verse 34, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Isn't it sad when religious norms and expectations shut our eyes to the love and mercy of God? Now the religious critics of Jesus they ignored the character of God that has been revealed to all of us in God's word. They ignored what King David had written about the compassion and the love and the mercy, forgiveness of God. What God revealed about himself in Psalm 103. I'll just read from verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. If the Pharisees and the teachers of the law really believed in their hearts 
really thought to themselves, who is this God that we're following? If they really examined their faith, they would have realized that God is a loving, gracious, merciful, compassionate God. And when they had seen the love, the mercy, the compassion of Jesus, perhaps they would have put the two together and recognized who Jesus was. But they didn't recognize the compassionate Lord in their midst. That's tragic, isn't it? I think it's because it was very unnatural for them to be loving and merciful and gracious because their religious rules, which they just kept building up and building up and building up, had stopped them from exercising love and compassion and mercy towards the oppressed. Had they meditated on the Old Testament and God's self-revelation of himself, perhaps they would have recognized that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah. Matthew's Gospel is written so that we do recognize that Jesus is that compassionate Lord. And I hope all of us in here know Jesus in that way and know the love and mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we know that he has done the impossible for us, forgiving our sins, releasing us from oppression, drawing us into his family, making unholy people holy through faith in Jesus. Surely we too would cry out with the psalmist, wouldn't we? Bless the Lord, O my soul. What an amazing salvation. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Sounds a lot like Psalm 103, doesn't it? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So we saw chapter 9 begins, begins with one of our primary needs, the need for forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I need to be washed clean to have relationship with God. It's a primary need. And then towards the end of the chapter, we see Jesus proclaiming the good news. He is teaching We need to know the good news, to accept it, to know what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom of God contains sinful people like us who've been forgiven from our sins through the great love and mercy of compassion. Did you also see that Jesus is healing every disease and sickness? Now, of course, he is pointing to the eternal kingdom, isn't he? In the eternal kingdom, there'll be no disease, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no crying, there'll be no sorrow. There will be eternal joy with our relational God who loves us so much. In Jesus, we see the God of mercy and love having compassion on the harassed and helpless crowds. One of my favorite parts of the Bible, which I think dovetails with this when Jesus sees that they're in need of a good shepherd, is John chapter 10. Uh, Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Jesus says he's going to bring the ultimate healing. Jesus promises. He is going to raise these fragile bodies that are just dust from the dead, just as he defeated death. Jesus says he is going to give his life for the sheep. He's an amazing shepherd. He's going to pay for our sins on the cross at a point in time when humanity was helpless to save themselves. And in fact, that's how humanity has been since day one. He is the shepherd that we can trust in. He is the shepherd who's going to hold us tight, in his hand and will never let us go. 
It's awesome. It is awesome. No wonder the psalmist cries out praising God. But a word of caution for us. I would probably categorize myself as a conservative evangelical. It's a church I attend. It's where I feel uh, comfortable. Sometimes it's good not to feel too comfortable. We can actually get a little bit selective in the way we think about God's character. We can say, okay, well, Christian life is just telling people about forgiveness of sins and looking ahead to the eternal kingdom and kind of missing a whole lot of stuff in between. We can be selective. We might ignore or forget the fact that Jesus Christ himself cared about the whole person. We are holistic beings. We are souls. We have bodies. We're actually going to have this body resurrected. The body is important. Now, we can read Matthew 9, and we can say mission and evangelism, because I hope if you're a follower of Jesus, you want all of Clovelly to know Jesus. We can say mission and evangelism is about preaching forgiveness of sins. And we might forget the rest of the chapter and not care about people and not look at the needs of our community. We might forget that Jesus really does care about the here and now as well, people's earthly needs. Now, people say, okay, well, Jesus did the miracles just as a sign, right? He just did it to say, hey, this is who I am. And they were just signs. Well, he did do it to show who he was. And the person he was showing himself to be was the loving, compassionate God who actually really cares about people. So we are, if we trust in Jesus, we are the priesthood of all believers. How are we going to reach the harassed and helpless people in our city, in our suburb? There are many of them. You don't have to be in extreme physical poverty to be harassed and helpless. Although certainly being in extreme physical poverty is one manifestation of being harassed and helpless. Well, we need to know. We need to know what Jesus was teaching. We need to know what the New Testament is teaching about Jesus. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to accurately explain to people the promises of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, to explain to them how much he loves us. So it's great to have a tract. I don't know what tract you guys use. Two ways to live, do you do that? I don't know what tract you have. I I heard of a good one recently from uh, a guy who was a formerly Coptic Orthodox guy, and he shared the good news with his family called Share Jesus Without Fear. And I thought, I'm going to try that. It's good to have a little tract and be able in a few minutes just to give an account of your faith. And we've staked our whole lives on Jesus. We should be able to give an account of our faith. So it's good to know tracts and things like that, but it usually happens that we reach people in the context of actually caring about people. You've got to actually care about people to share the tract, to share the good news. Now, it is no surprise in the developing world where there are so many harassed and helpless people There is a huge harvest going on. I've seen it. I've been to Southeast Asia 10 times in the last few years. Probably not going to be doing that again uh, for the next couple of years. But I have seen churches in Southeast Asia expanding, running out of room because they are beautiful in their community. They're loving people. They're loving people. They're caring for their needs. And they're also sharing the good news about Jesus. And people are coming to faith in large numbers. 
Now, we might say, look, I just need to get the formula right for sharing the gospel. I just need to have the word order right. Um, And that's pretty much all that matters because the message is powerful. Do you think that's all that matters? It is a question we need to think through. It is important to be able to share the good news accurately. But something else is happening in 2020, isn't it? We are living in an era where people are harassed and helpless. Many people are harassed and helpless. I've been speaking to my relatives in Greece. They're scared, they're harassed, and they're helpless. And it's given an opportunity to tell them to trust in Jesus, turn to Jesus. Don't pray to saints, don't pray to Mary anymore. Trust in the God who made you and loves you so much. So we're in a harassed and helpless era, but we're also in an era of an incredible global harvest. Christianity is exploding exponentially all over the developing world. More and more people are embracing the love of Jesus. It's happening in Muslim countries, in Hindu countries, in Buddhist countries. How do we respond? Some churches have told me that during this time, they have seen more people asking questions about who Jesus is than in the past 20 years. How do we respond? Well, please look at verses 37 and 38. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So more workers are needed. And Jesus tells his disciples then, and his disciples now, his followers now, to pray earnestly to the Lord to send out laborers. It's clear. And it's a privilege to do that. Isn't it awesome that we get to pray to God that he will send out laborers into the harvest. And in fact, when we are praying for the world in this way, for the harvest, it shows that we have the same sort of love and compassion for people, for this world, as God does. It's a reflection of his heart because he desires people to come to him. And it's God's work in our hearts, in fact, that stirs us up to be compassionate. It's his compassionate heart in us that's stirring us up to pray. So what are the laborers like? Well, we probably all agree that the laborers need to be able to share that powerful, life-giving, good news message about Jesus accurately. We need to do that accurately. We need to know what the good news is. Should the laborers also care about people's day-to-day physical needs? Did Jesus care for people when he was gutted by their suffering? Are we gutted by the suffering of our friends? whose marriages are breaking down, whose kids have developed all sorts of issues during COVID. I know it's been challenging for my family of six. Well, I'll let you think about that and ask God to reveal to you ways in which you can help people holistically as well as pointing them to Jesus if they don't know him yet. When we pray earnestly to God to send out laborers, God will raise up laborers. It's awesome. The disciples, I reckon, would have prayed this prayer. They were following Jesus. They were listening to Jesus. They were obedient to Jesus. And after his resurrection and then the coming of the Holy Spirit, they went out. So they would have prayed this prayer. And guess who God raised up? He raised up them from 11 to 120. So we're going out of Jerusalem now to the ends of the earth, to 3,000, to 5,000, to hundreds of millions of people Even sinful people like me from pagan nations like Greece have become Christians. 
Praise the Lord for that. That's amazing. When you ask God to send out laborers, he will empower you. He will send you out. He will send us out in all sorts of different ways because we are his disciples. It doesn't mean we're all going to become missionaries overseas, but maybe some of us will become missionaries overseas. But we are all those laborers. And when we pray, God will empower and equip us. And he will send us out to care for the harassed and helpless people of our world. As I said, I have seen it lived out so beautifully in Southeast Asia. In the developing world, churches have few resources. They don't have great programs and lots of money to do stuff. So they pray earnestly. And you know who God is raising up? I've met them myself. Former prostitutes. Former drug addicts or drug dealers who are now in ministry, who are reaching out to those communities. People from religions that are very, very, very antagonistic towards Christians. God's reaching into their lives and changing them, and he's sending out those laborers. So as I'm praying for Indonesia, which is rapidly becoming a Christian country, as I'm praying earnestly, God is sending out more and more laborers. Now, what would happen if churches and laborers in struggling communities around the world, what would happen, do you reckon, if they didn't care about their communities, but they accurately told everyone the good news? If churches thought Christian love was only sharing the message accurately and not really caring for people. Faithful proclamation of the gospel is primary. There's no question about that. It is the most important thing. But I think Matthew chapter 9 shows us that everything else is important too because it comes from a heart that truly loves people. Just as Jesus loved people and he cared for the needs, complex needs, of oppressed and harassed people. Caring for physical needs, running all sorts of programs to help the community, that doesn't, that doesn't address the underlying problem that we all face. We are sinners. We need forgiveness. We need re- reconciliation with the holy God of the universe. So just sharing, just sharing your life and not sharing the gospel, well, it's insufficient, isn't it? But, you know, sharing a message like a well-trained parrot, and I love parrots. I used to breed them as a kid. Parrots are beautiful creatures. They're just not very good at evangelizing. Um, it doesn't reflect the holistic love shown by the God of compassion. Thank you for listening today. Uh, I pray that all of us in here are continually equipped by the compassionate, loving, merciful God of the universe to reflect his love and compassion in Clavelli, in Sydney, and in all sorts of ways throughout the world. And I pray that God will convict us in the coming week to reach out to people who we know are hurting and also to open our eyes to other opportunities to care for the harassed and helpless of our world before Jesus returns. Lord God, we cry out to you, praising you for your great love for us and your great love for the world. And we pray, Lord, that the overflow of love in our hearts for others will show itself in boldness to share the good news about our Lord Jesus Christ and in true compassion and care for those people, finding out about what makes them tick, what their problems are, how perhaps we could help them or direct them to someone or direct someone to them to help them.
Lord, we know that we live in bodies that will be resurrected. These physical bodies are a gift from you. These physical bodies are to be treated well by us. And Lord, we pray that you can help us think of ways that we can be a blessing physically and spiritually to others, wherever we are, whether it's at school, work, your neighbours, everyday life. Help us to think about Matthew chapter 9 and recognise the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it might look like for us living out our Christian faith. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about St Luke's Anglican Church, please visit www.clovelly.org.au.